And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about print media, big wigs, big hats, and big laughs. We're your hosts. I'm Mia. And I'm Allie. P.S. I Love Rom-Coms is a rom-com review podcast where each week, me and I pull off our coats, strut into a fancy business lunch, and ask the one thing on our minds, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? Joining us today is a very talented singer, actor, artist, and all-around Renaissance man. And if he was in a rom-com, he'd be a harried paleontologist who has to make a good impression on a society matron who is considering donating $1 million to his museum. However, on the day before his wedding, he meets this patron's young niece and her pet leopard who immediately falls for him. You guys, it's the one and only Tyler McLean! (laughs) you had me at tyler mclean (laughs) i love the the leopard mia said (laughs) i need the whole package (laughs) now tyler we like to start off each episode with a little segment called which rom-com hero slash heroine are you channeling where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine um and I can start us off this week. Um, so this week, I'm channeling a side character that um, only the true rom-com heads out there will know who I'm Ooh. talking about. And this is uh, the character of Casey, uh, who is in Hitch. And she is yes. uh, Eva Longoria, Eva Mendez's uh, best friend in Hitch. Um, and there's a scene, very fun scene, where they go speed dating together. And Casey's like like kind of like the Southern Belle and she's she's dating and it's a little bit hard and challenging and they go speed dating and she's just she's just trying her best and I think I'm channeling Casey because uh I've gotten back into app dating yeah I you know I've been dating I think I've been on five dates in the last four weeks oh my god five first dates and it's just um uh, you know, it's not like in rom-coms, a lot of times we see like bad dating montages. And I think those are kind of, I mean, obviously hyped up for comedy and are extreme cases. And I haven't had that experience at all. All the dates have been lovely. And um, I, I really enjoy the conversations that I've been having with people. But what's hard is like at the end of the date when you're like, oh, there's not that like spark there or there's not that chemistry. It's sometimes even more upsetting than it's like I almost wish that they had something like, you know, really quirky about them or really like wrong about them. So I, I could be like, this is, you know, why this didn't work. But it's like some weird X factor that I can't wrap my mind around. Like, why isn't this... Why, you know, why am I not feeling this connection with these yeah. people? Um, and it's 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 harder and sadder than a rom-com, um, which <laughs> things that in rom-coms, dating, dating montages are like funny and, and, and fast and easy. And this is kind of feels long and hard and slow. Well, that's um, why it's a montage, Ali, because <laughs> in reality, it is awful and slow and pain. Yeah, because the worst part is like, you guys, like how quickly do you think, you know, on a first date? 
You know, like how quickly do you think you know that the X factor is gone? I think it's like pretty quick. Really? I I, mean, it's it's like 20 minutes in. Right. It's like like a month later and I just sort of... (laughs) realize <laughs> that that we've got something good it's not even not even like uh this is the this is fantastic or this is the one uh it's and then usually because of that you know the, the person is as asking how i feel and it's uh <laughs> across across the years as i you know commit more and more to honesty which is not necessarily the, the truth it just is very convoluted very poor communication a lot of just i don't know you know and that's, oh, no. no one likes to hear that that's a sign in and of itself I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tyler realizes as he's standing across the aisle about to see his house, the spark oh, no. isn't there. <laughs> no, um, but that, that is, it is, sometimes I do wonder though, um, uh, in defense of Tyler, not just to poke fun at you, but I wonder if like I am too quick no. to judge sometimes where it's like, am I too quick? I'm the opposite. Right. I'm saying bring back speed dating. I'm saying the date <laughs> should be no longer than 20 minutes because then if like, you know, after 20 minutes and then we're like 20 minutes into an hour and a half date like that is hard. But I, so, yeah, I, I'm saying we should make it more like the montages. It's, yeah yeah but um so that's that's who i'm channeling um wow. this week um and i have another date this friday with a turtle scientist i'm so, so excited I'm very, fingers i fingers crossed that the date with the turtle scientist goes well i'm really trying to get him to take me uh he does birding where he like bird oh watches God. and i like tried to get him to take me but he was like let's get drinks and i was like fine <laughs> everyone just really? keeps trying to get him to take them bird watching i would really like you to take me to a field with binoculars but sure we can get a beer um but Bur- so birding birding is the same as bird watching yes yeah i had to look it up oh, good. Just, as we all know um, but, uh, uh, all parts of ornithology is that what it's called sorry Oh, I don't yes. know. Is I don't know. Out the bird knowledge. I'm not even going to uh, fact check that. I think it's true. <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure odd. it is. I, I don't know what the something with tor, Tortuga thologist or something like that for a turtle. But yeah, that's who I'm channeling this week. Mia, who are you channeling? Oh my gosh. Well, I am channeling uh, once again, Charlotte Field from the modern rom-com, The Long Shot, or no, just Long Shot. I always add a, it's just, the, it's just called Long Shot. Oh, I'm yes. Ch- <laughs> Which I even almost said that. <laughs> I'm channeling Charlotte Field because she's a busy lady. She's like, her schedule's insane. She's like falling asleep, taking micro naps, filling up bathtubs. It's a disaster. And that's, that's me today, you guys. It's like every minute. Since I woke up, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you guys, this has been a, and obviously I'm not the secretary of state. I'm not, I'm barely <laughs> even employed, but it's, <laughs> I'm so busy and I had to do so many things. It's like, I wake up, I had like so many conversations, had to like get tasks done, had to like drive to a different city, drive back, take a number, wait. If I'm like multitasking, listening to podcasts, uh, sending people voice memos. Um, it's just one of those days where everything's like very high energy and I feel crazy. Because um, I haven't had a minute. I haven't had a minute to sit down and uh, and flirt with my speech writer. 
Um, <laughs> so yes, but, um, but that's some channeling and, um, you know, but it's all in pursuit of um, her passions and her goals as is mine. So, um, uh, yeah. So I identify with, um, fake secretary of state, Charlotte, Bill, uh, in <laughs> long shot. It's one, it's one of those days where your, your brain is, is, you know, maybe you don't feel, uh, you know, solid, but your brain is taking in so much information. It's going to come back at some point. Exactly. Uh, no, Tyler, it's, you're so true. You're, sorry. You're so right. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like on a walk. <laughs> it's obviously I'm like, I'm moving faster than I can keep up with mentally but yeah i was like on a walk talking to three people i walked in the door someone needed to me like proof an email and then uh, i listened to like two podcasts while i was waiting for something and i had to stop because it was like it was like an educational topic it was an educational podcast and i was like i have to stop because it's too much information exactly like how you're putting it i'm like it's too much information i'm not processing this i just need to uh have a glass of wine talk about a rom-com instead so yeah exactly um, but that's who I'm channeling. Tyler, who are you channeling this week? I am channeling somebody from one of my favorite rom-coms mm. of all time. That's probably just because as a kid, I loved it so much. But I, I don't know how this will hit, but we'll see. Uh, Georgia Bird from uh, Last Holiday. Queen Latifah. Yes. Do you remember this great yes, movie? Of yes, of course. We love Last Holiday. <laughs> I think channeling has a broad definition. Perhaps like <laughs> I'm aspiring towards Georgia or Georgia is animating uh, my inner uh, life or whatever. But across the board, whether I'm ahead of Georgia, right with Georgia or behind Georgia, uh, it's just sort of back in New York, the industry is a little bit of a, a wild west and we're all just sort of looking around for ways to connect and get back to work. And so yes. why not just enjoy the opportunity to take in New York, uh, connect with people, mm. uh, be ready with, um, I don't mean to put myself on a pedestal at all. I've certainly already failed, but just the freedom to be kind, the freedom to enjoy people, uh, and to, uh, maybe spend uh, a little money, uh, when it's time to celebrate mm -hmm. and, uh, not worry about all the things that need to be in place for life to continue at a traditional oh. pace, let's say an established or institutional pace. Um, because you've got this diagnosis that you're going to die. <laughs> um, uh, and I guess for us, it's just a, uh, uh, diagnosis, uh, at a mysterious point where George's was, uh, was, uh, <laughs> more, uh, distinct. Wow. I, I love that, Tyler. You, oh. we gotta just like live because uh, we, uh, un, you know, we kind of have the opposite where it's like, we're just getting out of like this diagnosis. Like we just found out, you know, you know, the pandemic in, you know, just in, or at least in like uh, the United States is like on a decline and things are starting to return back to normal. And it's like, yeah, we have to remember to like live life to the fullest and it's hard and confusing, but like, yeah, it, gotta live it up, spend money, yes. celebrate, be with people. Yes. And Georgia has this like big thing that puts her life in perspective. And she's like, great, I gotta go do all those yeah. things. And that is, yeah, in some ways, like we're all sort of experiencing that feeling of like, oh, we just had like a big stop sign put in all of our lives. And now it's like, 
being lifted. And it's, yeah, I, I feel like we all are interacting with each other a different way. And like, I so resonate with what you're saying, Tyler, about like spending money to celebrate and not work, not like mm-hmm. needing things to be in place. And it's like, oh, yes, I feel that. And then Queen Latifah, sorry. And then, and then Georgia's then told that her diagnosis was wrong, right? Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets to keep living her life. Um, anyways, that well, is so great. I mean, there, there, yeah, there it is right there. I mean, that is what our situation is, right? The doctor yeah. has come and told us the pandemic is coming to a close. Hopefully, it continues that way. And uh, now we have to decide if we want to ca- uh, carry Georgia into the new, the new normal, or just get back to uh, being worried all the time and uh, yeah. and isolated. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's mm. amazing! I'm gonna watch that soon. Now that you've mentioned it, because it's such a <laughs> yeah, lovely rom com. Yeah. Well, you guys, it's time to move on to our next <laughs> segment. Um, as we know in this podcast, Mia's really good at transitions, and I am just bad. I don't even try. You're so I'm good, gonna, Allie. I'm not gonna try. Thank you, Mia. But I'm not. I should try That's harder. Fair. But I'm not. No. I'm just. You know, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And one of my weaknesses is transitions. And so I'm just gonna say, let's get into the movie discussion. Perfect. It's time. It's, it's time. that time. So, you guys, <laughs> this week we watched the 2003 rom com Down with Love that follows feminist Barbara Novak, played by Renee Zellweger, who pens a best selling book that details the drawbacks of love called Down with Love. She encourages women to forego serious relationships with men in favor of independence, workplace achievements, and satisfying sex. Despite her success, many men are taken aback by her progressive views, including slick writer Catcher Black, played by... Ewan McGregor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I was between Ewan and Ewan. <laughs> you know, Ewan's right, Ewan's right. He's such a famous actor, I should know how to pronounce his name. Um, Ewan McGregor, who decides to... Did I say it? It is Ewan. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's somehow it was like, <laughs> no, that's perfect. You, 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 Ewan. Ewan. Well, I'm Ewan. saying it weird now too. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Played Damn by. It. I, I'm losing Ewan it. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> I think it's Ewan, right? Ewan. No. Oh, no. Um, Played by McGregor, who decided to expose Barbara as a fraud by making her fall in love with him. However, his plan has unexpected consequences. Dot, dot, dot. Down with Love was directed by Peyton Reed and written by Eve Alher and Dennis Drake. Fun fact, Down with Love was meant to be a pastiche, which is a parody that celebrates rather than mocks, of the no-sex sex comedies of the 60s, such as Pillow Talk and Lover Come Back. So, Tyler, could you tell us um, a little bit about your history with rom-coms and why you chose Down with Love? Yes, my history with rom-coms is uh, just a smattering of them across the years um, from friends who have uh, decided that it's important that I be there to watch them with them. Um, it's not. It's not the typical genre that I that I go to on my own, but it's like the sound of music in the sense that I always don't think it's going to be something I will enjoy, but 
it's so enjoyable as a genre. Um, yes. has something to do with maybe with its, uh, uh, tropes and the things you can expect, but also the mm. ways they keep it fresh. And they're usually, you know, the comedy part, if it's funny, it's funny and you're having a good time. So, uh, it's always a great vehicle for great actors to come and have a good time and everyone <laughs> gets to just have a good time. Um, but yeah, no, uh, down with love is, is one of those movies that I saw. It was 2003, 2021. So, uh, yeah, I was just, uh, let's see, seven plus, uh, I was 10 years old or 11 years <laughs> old or something like that. And I think we saw it pretty fresh after it came out. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was, I, I think I, it was funny back then. Interestingly, uh, Al, Allie will know, I'm a huge Frasier fan. David yes! Hyde Pierce is yes. one of my favorites, but I didn't, I don't think I had connected to that show. Um, prior to this. So mm. maybe the most important part of this movie for me was experiencing David Hyde Pierce for the first time. Might have been my first time, uh, wow. if I could take a stab. Um, and he's made a, an immense uh, difference in my life, whether it's been just cheering me up, uh, mm. teaching mm. me about comedic acting by his performance. Um, yes. Yeah, he's just been an immense influence and someone I've loved across the years. So to think uh, that I didn't even know who he was back then, just this silly guy fussing about and kind of jumping at things and making noises and uh, just being very silly. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And I think that might have even been before uh, some of the Star Wars remakes, too. So maybe Ewan... (laughs) (laughs) Ewan McGregor uh, introduction as well. So yeah, um, I've been dreading uh, sort of a, uh, a, um, what was that? What was that period of history where uh, the Inquisition an Inquisition on, uh, on rom-coms because I'm on the, I love rom-coms podcast (laughs) and it's just been enjoyable isolated nights across the years enjoying these celebratory so fun films um <laughs> but not something that uh i could spring into like lord of the rings uh trivia or, or right. uh, something like mm-hmm. that yeah yes wow that's um no that's beautiful i think that's a lot of people's experience with rom-coms and i feel the same way about mm-hmm. the sound of music i never want to watch that but i'm sure if i did i would like it you know but yeah and that's that's how ellie and i feel like we get people with them. Um, with rom-coms then you're like i don't like those then you watch them and you're like wait a minute yes i do and also as well too it's like sometimes we have people on that are like oh i love this movie and then it's like oh well i think that's actually a rom-com and then it's like (laughs) oh yeah some of my favorite movies are rom-coms even though i don't you know um watch that many of them um right because it's not as like clear-cut as like horror you know it's like yeah it's like it's um a lot of movies it's it's like the genre is very broad yeah. And I think this was such a fun movie that you picked, Tyler, because this rom-com is actually a celebration of other rom-coms, so which is crazy. like, it's so fun and it's so tropey. Like, it's just the tone of this. Um, this was my first time ever seen Down With Love. And the tone of this rom-com is so fun and heightened and like... 
it's everything's like very tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> um, and there's so much like, uh, I think a moment that like. <laughs> everybody's got I, a tongue. Everybody's got a cheek. In everybody's this got movie, a tongue in cheek. And, 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 they're, and they're just like, <laughs> the tongue is always in the cheek. And, um, and there's just, the movie opens with like, and it opens in a way that most rom-coms open, which is like, um narration and like um kind of like a new york cityscape but it like has this additional kind of like 60s vibe where it's like new york city in the (laughs) 60s now reaching eight million people um and it's just got this like oh this like eight million and one yeah and then you get like a (laughs) close-up of renee zellweger barbara novak and it's um (laughs) it's um it's so fun and uh and zesty um but yeah i i really i really liked this rom-com wait and you never and seen then, it Allie? i've never i've never seen it yeah. and i was starting off i was watching and i was like oh this is really cute and then um and we'll get into this later i'm sure the twist happens and i oh my god my <laughs> mouth dropped i was <laughs> not <laughs> expecting the twist at all and i was like oh my god and that's when i went from liking this rom-com to loving it um mm-hmm. but mia had, have you seen this rom-com before uh yeah i'm yeah i am same as tyler where i saw it in theaters when i was like 10 which is also just so crazy to be like i can't believe like how many rom-coms i saw before i was like a fully formed human like they have truly <laughs> affected my brain in ways i will never be able to account for um, because they like you were saying about David Hyde Pierce. I'm like, wow. So I fully knew who him and Sarah Paulson were when I was 10, but I wouldn't, wow. I wouldn't actually know who they were for like a really long time. Wow. Uh, I so thought I, Sarah Paulson's yeah. breakout was American Horror Story, same, probably. Same, the same. Oh my god! Like the fact that Sarah Paulson's in this role. Also, Sarah Paulson is aging backwards. That like yeah. she looks so much younger now than she did in 2003. Um. Sorry, I'm just eating goldfish. I'm sorry, one second. <laughs> sorry, I interrupted uh, you. No. But Sarah Paulson. No, I, 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 I panicked and ate a goldfish. I was like, what am I doing? I'm talking. Um, and now I'm putting this dry cracker in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, so I was on theaters. And um, yeah, I remember at the time, as even as a kid, like knowing that like something was wrong with the movie, you know, being like, this isn't a normal rom-com as like the child me who was like, well-versed in rom-coms and um i actually really enjoyed getting to watch it as an adult and see that it was like an homage to a very specific genre and i um i think i enjoyed it a lot more because when i was a kid i was like this is not a rom-com and when like the twist happens i'm like that's crazy and then when she dyes her hair red i'm like okay and then (laughs) now um, i'm into it (laughs) yeah and um i really enjoyed getting to watch it as an adult and just like really enjoy like the kooky the kooky tone, uh, the, oh my God, I freaking adore the set design and the costume work in here. Like that moment when, um, Renee Zellweger and Sarah Paulson like walk into the, for the lunch and they like have like opposite outfits that match and they do like a little, a little jig. I was just like, God, that's so fun. I want to like make a movie with like more of that in it. Like I I love, yeah, it was such a delight to watch. That's such a great moment. Their hats, uh, that little pyramid oh. ziggurat hat that she has on. Their little like, oh my hats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And also, oh my god, okay, you and McGregor, I'm so like I'm so sorry, but like he was so hot. Like I I just like he forgot was so like how hot. hot. He's so hot in this. I like distractingly hot where I was like, like I, I that I for I like forgave that he was an asshole. And I would hate <laughs> when I do that, but I just couldn't <sighs> help it. He was just why didn't he ever play James Bond? He could have been oh my such God. a good James Allie, that's Bond. That's such a good. That's such a good point. I just rewatched almost all of the Daniel Craig ones, and I feel very strongly that you are correct that he could have been. A probably, great I, guess, Bond. I guess yeah, his time probably would have been Daniel Craig's time, right? So yeah. Well, there's just a new Bonds coming. New Bonds coming. So fingers crossed, you and could be uh, could be his time. <laughs> could be his time um also you guys what a delightful ca- like cameo by rachel dratch this made me so happy yes. that rachel dratch was in this <laughs> yes uh, whoever casted this movie um be hat hive off to you you, you did a great <laughs> job because not only was rachel dratch in this and was so funny and cute but also the two side characters who we've already both mentioned because they're so incredible sarah paulson and david hyde pierce are so freaking good in this and like uh, they just shine um and they're so funny definitely really shows you um how much talent sarah paulson has always had and just how the <laughs> industry just sometimes needs needs uh 10 years to <laughs> to incorporate you more fully because i even i even feel like uh when i became uh aware of her she just had sort of maybe muted roles that distracted from her her talent but then you go back to this movie all the way back in 2003 and she's like all of her choices every movement every inflection it's all just so boisterous and fun and she's uh just a horn you know the whole movie and it's great it's so good that's such a great way to describe her and yeah i agree because um same. I first noticed Sarah Paulson in that first season of American Horror Story when she's like yeah. talking about the yeah. bots. And then <laughs> yeah. now that we're going back and watching a bunch of stuff, like she was in a lot of the early or she was in a few early aughts rom-coms. Like yeah. she was in What Women Want with Mel Gibson. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, Sarah Paulson's career is like so interesting. And she's so talented. You're right. And I just watched that show, Mrs. America that's set in a similar time period. So, and Sarah Paulson's in it and watching her play um like similar time period characters to like basically almost 20 years apart. I was just like, gosh, she's so impressive. Like it was, it was so, it was so awesome to see her. Yeah. Something I um want to talk about is just like, I think this movie does some really cool things um, like structure wise and in, in the way that it, it was written where like, because it was my first time seeing it after I had watched the whole movie, I was like, wow, that was I, I was really impressed with the structure. So it like starts off where Renee Zellwenger is like this young woman coming from Maine to, you know, New York. Uh, her character's name is Barbara Novak. She's written this feminist book that's like down with love. That's basically like women don't have sex, focus on work. And then when you do have sex, make it only like surface level kind of casual sex. And then her book's really popular. And um or, or she struggles like promoting the book at first and she tries to get this like hot shot, like, um, you know, chauvinistic kind of male journalist to write about it. And, and he doesn't. And that's, of course, you know, Catcher Block. And and then the book becomes popular and she denounces Catcher Block as a 
black head <laughs> um, and uh, and kind of like a womanizer on national TV. And then he like tries to get back at her by doing one of me and my favorite tropes, which is write a secret article about her. Mm-hmm. And um, and he tries to, you know, prove that to Barbara that, you know, she doesn't really believe what's in her book. And he tries to make her fall in love with him. And um, and there's this uh, there's this scene where it's between um, Barbara Novak, Renee Zellweger and uh, Sarah Paulson, who plays her editor, Vicky. Um, they're both career women who are they basically share with each other how they're tired of their careers and they just want to get married. They're like, this is too hard. This career's too hard. Mm-hmm. I just want to like give up and and, you know, be a wife. Oh, I don't want to work anymore. And this happened around like, I think maybe like 60, 50 minutes into the movie. And I saw this scene and I was like, oh. God, is this how this movie is gonna? <laughs> is it? They totally got me. I was like, is this movie? Is this how this movie is gonna go? They're both gonna be wives and happy, and um, you know, Catcher Block is gonna also fall in love with her, and then this twist happens, which I alluded to earlier in the episode, where um, where Barbara is with um, Catcher Black, who's pretending to be an astronaut. This all sounds so crazy when I say it out loud. Uh, (laughs) Pretending to be an astronaut um, called Zip Martin. And she's hooking up with him and she's like, I love you. I love you. All that stuff in my book is a lie. And then he goes, aha, I got you. And he's like, I'm writing a secret article about you and I'm Catcher Black. And then the twist happens (laughs) where Barbara Novak goes, I'm not Barbara Novak. And then it's revealed that she was his secretary years ago. (laughs) Um, And that she wrote this book only to get his attention and to get him to write a secret article about him, her, so that he would pretend to fall in love with her because she knows that's the only way that she could actually date him. (laughs) And that all of this, her book and everything was just a ruse so that he would fall in love with her and her name's really Nancy. <laughs> and then it's so I know I'm just giving the plot of the whole movie. I've been No, you have to. Uh, it's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And then um you know one of catcher's like old, you know, sexual conquest comes in and it's like, "Are you Barbara Novak? Thank you so much for writing your book. I want you to you're my hero." Um, I respect myself now because of you and I, my career's finally taking off. And and Catcher's like, and Barbara's like, but now instead of being Nancy, I'm going to stay being Barbara. And it's just like, uh, it, it, there's just this huge flip-flop where it, it, it like turns the story on its head. And, and then later, uh, this <laughs> genius scene happens where Catcher Block, now knowing that Barbara is really Nancy, has a scene with uh, his editor, David Hyde Pierce, where they're like, we just want to be husbands. God, mm. can't we just be husbands? I'm so tired of having sex. And that, <laughs> that's when I was like, these parallel scenes are so genius. Yes. And the writing is so good to, here's our expectations. And then they like have subverted them by the third act. And it is now the exact 
opposite of where we were at the midpoint. And so my hat uh, <laughs> off to you, writers, uh, and your names are yeah, Dennis Drake and Eve Albert. <laughs> Eve Albert and Dennis Drake, hat off to you. Oh, my gosh. Hats Sorry, off. I had to recap no, the entire movie to make so that point. It's so true. Well, it's like so much happens, first of all. And it's like that's such a good catch, Allie. Like those reversals. Because I agree. When Vicky started talking about that she just wanted to be married to David Hyde Pierce, I was like, get me out of here. I was like, no, thank you. And then um, I love it. Yeah, it's because it's so funny because it is so tongue in cheek when Vicky goes, good thing you remembered you were multimillionaire and we could open our own uh, business. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's like they're just like, a, just kidding. Fuck you. Uh, uh, yeah. So, no, I, I, I love that reversal that happened. Another great reversal, and then I promise I will shut my mouth, but <laughs> the magazine that um, uh, chauvinist uh, catcher block writes for is called Now. And then once Barbara has revealed her secret identity um, and has decided not to fall in love with catcher block because she actually likes being a feminist icon, she decides with all of her money from her book sales to open her own magazine called now magazine and there is a scene oh my where god catcher block then interviews to be her secretary where he's like <laughs> look i know that i used to write for now but now i want to write for no and she's like listen do you know how hard i worked on for now to you know be better than no and the wordplay in that scene is so <laughs> delectable where they're just going look i know that you used to write for no but now you want to write for now and i just don't know whether you should write for now <laughs> it's just so good and this so silly and i love it it's so silly and there's there's also another part of that scene where he's like the smoking gun is he's like you have to interview me under the equal opportunity protection act and it's like, what is happening like, it's so funny when they're like well unfortunately because you believe in equality you have to interview which was kind of fun but it was like it just, that whole sequence was so silly um, I, that is something that's great about especially these kinds of uh, romantic comedies. What compels people? Always <laughs> very flimsy. And but but the great thing is the actors, the characters take it so seriously and are compelled by them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that moment where uh, I think it's uh, when she catches Barbara catches um, catch zip with the um, with the beatnik uh, girl yes. at the party and his yeah. like flimsy explanation as to why that happened at that point we don't know the secret but in the fashion of a romantic comedy especially of the kind that this film is a pastiche to she just like totally buys it and <laughs> she runs with you? it with like... all her heart yeah that <laughs> That's so funny that that also makes me think i like the one thing i do adore about this movie uh, in terms of representation from the 60s is I do love how horny it makes the women in the movie for like the 60s and just like openly like I feel like a lot of times when you watch like stuff from this time period like it's a little more subtle it's a little more like they can't talk about it so I do like that they're it's like the whole time Barbara Novak's just like super horny and trying to get it in um, and that that's not like an issue in any way shape or form but yes yes so that yeah I enjoyed like there was like certain it's so interesting because it's obviously it's like paying homage to like a type of movie uh that like can't deal directly with sex so they deal with it like 
just an innuendo. And we see that in that like scene where they're on the phone with each other and they're like doing all these like wild sex positions. And like, it's like so silly. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. Have you guys seen, I haven't seen that. Um, cause I'm trying to think of like other movies pay homage to that. And I can't really think of, I feel like I was like, that's one of the only times I've seen that nodded to. It's such a funny physical joke with the split screen. Cause at first, like (laughs) there's a split screen and it's like, they're talking on the phone and it like what they're doing in their own separate screens looks like, you know, Renee's giving, you know, Iwan a, a, a BJ. <laughs> and then at first I was like, I hate this. And then it was like, then it was like kind of the reversed. And then like, it was quickly like, oh, this is kind of like, they're both in, they're both like not in on the joke because sometimes me and I, yeah. you know, we see rom-coms and they are, um, women aren't in on the sexual joke, and oh my god, we're you're kind of so right, Ellie. Laughing out that we see this all the time. <laughs> we see this all the time. These kind of jokes where it's like, oh, like women aren't aware that like what they're doing is like really sexual right now, and we're laughing yeah. at how you know s- stupid they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in this, at first, I was like, is that what this is going to be? But it quickly was like, no, they're both unaware of like how horny they are and how like. This in this split screen, you know, we can see them act. It seems like they're acting out like these sexual positions, but really, um, uh, they're just like stretching on the carpet <laughs> by themselves at odd intervals. Yeah, that is a really good thing to know, Ali. Yeah, because I was like, gosh, I, I know this is part of the genre, but I haven't really seen it. And same, and at first I was like, ugh, fuck no. But then, yeah, the longer it goes on, you're like, oh, that's yeah, that's like delightful. And I'm so glad it's not just on Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, they balanced it well, I think, with the casting too. Renee just never comes off as someone who's not in control, or at least mm-hmm. not, um, yeah, not in on stuff. And of course, then you find out that she's the mastermind behind the the whole thing. And I guess, <laughs> I guess you could still you could still get away with uh, sexist and exclusive material, even with that sort of coverall at the end. But um, but yeah, they just cast somebody who every expression of the character is uh, at least uh, dominant, I guess. And yeah. uh, I mean, I I <laughs> it's not necessarily something that I need to be analyzing i'd be i actually am interested uh it, it sounds like the movie was able to to balance well and you guys didn't even in the in the moments that you guys were disappointed that it, it reversed itself or added added enough to to balance it but on the whole did you guys did you find was it a pass the pass the test does it pass the bechdel test yeah I don't know. Does it? Does it? I doubt I it. Think, does. Uh, no, I it think it does. Because they, yeah. they talk about their business. They talk, about, talk about their business. Yeah. They've got their business. So, they I talk think about it does. Book. I think I, it does. I think, I think the thing that's... The thing I... Okay, let's talk about the chocolate thing. Because that's the only thing for me that I am I was like grumpy about. Um, And only, for no reason. I mean, I don't know why I'm grumpy about this. But like, I guess... Okay, I guess in general, it's very funny. Renee Zellweger's book, Barbara Novak's book, makes no sense. <laughs> No, it's crazy. Like, I didn't realize as a kid, like, how insane the book is. Where she's like, if women follow my three step plan, they can, um, they can join the workforce. And the steps are like, no love, eat chocolate, have sex. (laughs) 
right? Like those are the steps. And um, I was like, when when she's like, um, like women, I I tell them that chocolate um, has the same effect as sex, and so they get hooked on chocolate, and then they stop. <laughs> wanting love and I guess maybe yeah for me I, I feel like I just like grew up in a world where it's like the education around the sex like like sex education was constantly like women are not into sex yes chocolate like I feel like that was like a real belief <laughs> where it's like that's the same for a woman but not a man who loves sex and I guess they do kind of like uh, disprove it in the movie because she's just like trying to eat the chocolate and it's not working. Yeah. Uh, but stuff like that stresses me out. Yeah, it definitely like rides the line of like, it is making fun of that idea where it's like, yeah, women, you can replace sex with chocolate or you can replace love with food, Um, you know, and I think it's like making fun of that kind of, but maybe it still hits a little close to home and is hard to... La- laugh at sometimes um, yeah same with like the all male board of execs yeah like that like it, that that also did just cause me genuine stress it's it's one of those things i heard like a great i saw like a great tweet about this that was like uh it was something along the lines of like misogyny said for a joke's sake has the same effect as misogyny um and i think that can be applied to like sort of any amount of punching down or um like i don't know like yeah making yeah. fun of someone we're, who's like not in power. Yeah. You're like, Oh, we're, we're post, you know, we're in a post, you know, feminist world. Like we're all equal. And it's like, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> too soon. Uh, too soon. Uh, I yeah. think you're a little optimistic in 2003 about the equality of, of women to be making fun of, um, um, women being, you know, um, put like back dismissed. in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. Dismissed. Um, yeah, like that Vicky yeah. stuff really stressed me out. So yeah, that, just in terms of your question, Tyler, yeah, of like, how does that hold up? Like, how does it hold up? It's like, yes, it does pack the be- pass the Bechdel test. Yes, their friendship is fun. But I think, yeah, it's like, and it makes sense because it is a pastiche to uh, older comedy. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's probably being very tongue-in-cheek and self-aware of the tropes. But yeah, I think at some points, it's like the critique is unclear to me, you know, or not as clear as, as I would like it to be. It was just making me think as you're saying that, that... um uh, I, I, we obviously are open to discuss it, but I, I was just, it's interesting that the, um, that the twist sort of totally capsizes what the story is potentially even about and makes it like kind of a true drama as opposed to a piece about ideas or society. I mean, obviously all those things are in there, but at the end of the day, if this is just a plot to get somebody to like you, then that's as old as, as, you know, Shakespeare. And (laughs) I mean, it's just a very, it's in some ways such a simple, simple story. Um, but, but I, yeah, that, that is interesting because obviously they don't shy away from that. And in the pastiche, how could you, um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess in some ways that it reminds me of like, um, what's that movie? Uh, Lo- love and friendship that like Kate Beckinsale <gasps> oh, yes. movie. There's so Wait, much like social what happens stuff there. All that, all that I remember is that like, obviously, especially with any period piece, any period mm-hmm. piece that is doing any kind of homework, there's going to be a social element, but right. Uh, and it's, and it's might not be exactly the same as this movie being such different films, but at the heart <laughs> of it is just this plot is just this antagonist, um, sort of reverse protagonist back in the day, but somebody who is 
begun a scheme and is going to see it through to the end and and uh you know maybe things don't go their way or whatever but uh all this society commentary is layered on top of this very simple dramatic story of somebody just wanting something and plotting to get it um Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I do remember at the time this came out, like that being a big deal, you know, like I do remember it was like this like crazy twist um, that no one saw coming that like did sort of give the character agency in this way um, that yeah, and did all of the potentially um, unpleasant <laughs> elements before it, which I do see, I do see in the, in the movie as well. I will say, let me, I want to, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 uh, just a question. Please. One of like, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, I guess you would call them presentational characters in most comedies is just the, just the character who is usually a powerful man who is just <laughs> can't, can't get over the fact that women are doing anything. Uh, <laughs> just like kind of, no, but the, the women are they're they're on the move and we have to they're, we, they're, they're fast and they're getting you know they're getting everything and I I I don't I mean I guess I guess for some reason it's just sort of like the just the total lack of uh, ability even to communicate clearly and just sort of there's a there is a objective and it's to stop the women for <laughs> conceivably no reason um do, do I, it's not, I mean it sounds like uh you're, you're laughing which is good <laughs> i was just asking is that is that an enjoyable an enjoyable character for you or is that just sort of like kind of too, maybe too close to home i don't know Ooh, that's a great question tyler i it's it's so funny. It, you know, I do find myself laughing at characters like that, but there is still always a little bit of like, uh, like um, mm. pa pain wrapped up in it. Um, yeah. Um, I do think that like I, of the character like archetypes, I do, I enjoy more the Renee Zellweger one where she's like, I'm always 10 steps ahead of you. <laughs> I'm always 10 steps ahead of you. You think you know me? Just kidding. I have, you know, brown hair. Just kidding. I have blonde hair. Just kidding. I have red hair. And I knew exactly what you were going to do and how you're going to do it. And I'm in complete control. Um, I think that's, <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, that character and that character game of like, <laughs> you thought you had agency, but it was really all part of my plan. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I agree. Like, yeah, like that makes us feel good in this universe. It's kind of like, I imagine how like men feel about like John Wick and Liam Neeson, you yeah. know, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. like there's that guy that's going to make everything okay, you know, and take care of everything in a chaotic universe. So I think it's like, right. The way that this movie works is that we get that heroine who's also going to take care of everything and nothing's um, going to touch her. Exactly. But in terms of those things, yeah, I think the way you were describing it, Tyler, is like so funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's like when you talk about it, I'm like, yes, this is very funny. Um, but when I'm watching it, yeah, it does stress me. It does stress the, the, the boardroom people specifically stress me out the most. Like when it's just like like the I think the idea that's like Vicky's just like doing well at her job and um is like empowers women and then they're like, we have to fire her. It's like that stresses me out. Um, in a genuine way. And we know that it's like, and we know that it's showing like, this is bad. And like, isn't this, you know, bad? 
and funny how bad this is, but it's still like, yeah, it is funny how bad it is, but it's still bad in a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And a little bit true. Like every now and then I'll walk into an audition room and like the audition will be like, okay, you have to like dance like you're at a crazy party and you're a bad dancer. And I walk (laughs) into the audition room and it's six men who are over 30 sitting on a couch you know, staring at me and they're like, okay, now dance. And it's like, oh my God. How did this happen? How did I get here? Uh, how did I get here? It's funny, but it's also like, oh God, this is also so, um, I'm in such a bad position. Um, yeah. No, that, I mean, that's so, that's so interesting because I know, I know it must be true from almost every human perspective that specific to them or specific to even a group, a larger group that they're a part of, that there are things on screen all across the spectrum or in any kind of art that you specifically can see the the mass appeal uh, and you can even slightly chuckle at it. It, it still surprises you and, and undermines you in the comedic effect, but that you have a problem with or that you have personal experience with that uh, is that is tr- traumatic, yeah. uh, if not just disturbing or slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, we see it all yeah. the time in in like older rom coms, and also like mm-hmm. in rom coms in the early aughts, where um, we we rewatch the proposal, where in the movie Sandra Bullock's character is racist. Um, she's at an immigration right. office, and she's racist, and we're supposed to laugh and be like, ha look at this stupid white woman who's racist. And like, it's, it's like, we're supposed to be laughing at Sandra Bullock and her ignorance. But that being said, like, it's, it's the same thing as the misogyny thing where it's like, well, like the joke, like about the racist white women, depending on how you tell it has the same effect as racism. And I think a a way that's been so helpful. And I, I know we've, we've all done improv where it's like, Improv's so helpful in terms of being like, well, what what is the joke, right? Like, what did you find funny about it? Um, and that's always like what's helpful to me in these situations is being like, yeah, what what is what are we making fun of here? But what also too is like with the Sandra Bullock thing, it's like what are we're making fun of her ignorance? But then there's always the risk of like people who don't get the joke and who think Sandra Bullock is funny, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I think that you know isn't. I agree with her, you know, kind of a thing. Sandra Bullock's the character that's in power and mm-hmm. she's still punching down in her, mm-hmm. in her jokes. Um, yeah. But in this movie specifically, I'm thinking, I'm like, if Renee had bought their business, I, I think I would have been like, felt better about it. You know, like if she had done, like, cause there's no comeuppance for those dudes, which also makes sense. It's pastiche. It's of the time. There would be no comeuppance for them. I think that's hard, right? There's no comeuppance for Sandra Bullock in their proposal. And I think that's also kind of what's hard. It's like there, when there's no lesson learned for the person whose point of view is offensive and um, abusing power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I suppose all they, all, if, they, if they can't communicate at least the, the, the shame or the, the immense desire to, to change, um, uh, then, then yeah, then there, then there really is no comeuppance. Because obviously, I mean, I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's not my, not my material rise and fall that causes me pain or anything. It's just it's very personal, emotional, perspective stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, obviously, 
to uh, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're uh, maybe uh, uh, distanced from uh, down with love at this point, but I'm just curious. <laughs> and obviously, I find I find the conversation interesting, and I love you guys, so it's great to be talking about it. But no, well, it was yeah. such an interesting question. Um, yeah, and it's also it's something that comes up a lot in rom-coms and it has come up a lot in our our podcast too and so um yeah thank you for asking the question tyler um so yeah so going back to down with love something that (laughs) i really wanted to talk about was um the score in this movie and how absolutely like fire it was it was so good and it was so uh energetic and like zany and of the time and Mm -hmm. my favorite part in this movie that's scored is there's a moment where um uh vicky slaps david hyde pierce across the face (laughs) and after she slaps him there's this bongo drum so it's like what and it was just like (laughs) so slapsticky and great and like sharp and fast and um uh there was like almost never a moment of silence it was always like like drums like guitar bossa nova um i loved it yeah there's that awesome uh frank frank sinatra and talk about uh, uh, maybe sexism creeping in. I just can't remember the the uh, the uh, singer's name. Uh, who who paired with? But there's that those parallel scenes where you're <gasps> yes. watching them both get ready, and you've got that kind of sweet sort of um sort of uh almost uh, uh xylophone tones from this from this uh, female singer, and then Frank, you know, blasting as usual. Um. Uh, in other words, you know, uh, as they're getting ready, such a great, a great oh, little pairing. Yeah. That is yeah. it. It's such a fun. Um, yeah, the soundtrack added such a fun addition to that getting ready montage. Where yeah, yeah. and also their clothes are so good, and so it's like oh my god, you see Renee oh god, getting her, like, ready, negligee and, and her, her negligee, and, her and the you know the bossa nova female singer singing, and then you know. There's catch in his oh, yeah. tux with Frank oh Sinatra. It made that scene made me be like, okay, Frank Sinatra is like way more horny than I thought he was. You know, like I was like, I always <laughs> thought that song was like cute, and then hearing the two different renditions, I was like, this feels like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm never gonna be able to listen to that song in the same way again. Um, this I movie made me want to buy a tuxedo really bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. And have that uh, that shape to fit the tuxedo. I want that jaw. I want Ewan McGregor's jaw. (laughs) Everything else the same. Just everything else the same. My my same very very small body, and then big big masculine jaw. By the way, bossa nova was the word I was looking for when I said xylophone tones. <laughs> that tracks. That makes sense. Um, and then you know this, but this does do a fun thing where it's like Barbara's plan. She carries it out. She gets what she wants, and then she realizes she's impacted all the women in the world, and that she can't go through with yeah. it. And there's like growth, right? And she's like, I'd actually rather just like change women than than like 
be in love with my old boss, um, which is fun. <laughs> and then Kat has to come interview with her. That that was all. I, I liked that. That all felt very rewarding to me. Also, the way that she dismissed him, she says, she says, you know, he starts to describe what life is going to be. And then she escapes the apartment. He chases after her. They're on the sidewalk. She's getting the taxi. And she says, basically, I don't want that. And I don't want you. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's so definitive. And she, she said it in a way that it, it didn't feel like she was pretending that, uh, that she had really come to that conclusion. And yet the ending is still there. So also just a nice, a nice example of how the, how the human heart can like open and close, uh, with a lot of sincerity. Uh, and it's not mm-hmm. just an easy progression, um, that things are discovered very much in the moment, uh, whole, uh, floods of mm-hmm. understanding deluge breaks through the dams all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> Tyler's uh, at the altar and he's like, Oh my God, <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is not I mean, going to work for me. <laughs> can be a huge detriment at times for sure. Um, but, but yeah, no, but certainly dramatically, uh, very interesting and made, you know, it really put in jeopardy their relationship. The question of the, of the story had like a, a second question, I guess, after that twist and just, uh, yeah, as you were saying, Allie, in the beginning, just really, uh, (laughs) surprising. That's what you said in the beginning, right? Just (laughs) some structure, the structure. Yeah. My jaw dropped. And just to, you know, go back to that incredible twist again, the (laughs) way that they shot it was so exciting and different where it's this, um, like medium close up of Barbara and it is stagnant and it just stays on her and she just monologues for a while as she just like dumps all this exposition and pipe and you don't see Catch's reaction for the entire Mm -hmm. monologue. They stay on her and they listen to her the whole time and then Right when she's done speaking, after she's gotten to say everything she needs to say, then they show his reaction and his jaw is on the <laughs> ground. And it's just like, what? Um, and I loved that scene. Yeah, same. It made me think of like all of our game theory discussions, Allie. That I thought was yes. very fun. That was like a fun element of the film where it's like, who's better at game theory? And then like when they had been like, I met my match, I am like, yeah, yeah, you guys should be together. <laughs> Yeah, guys are, you yeah. guys are both twisted. You guys are both twisted. You should definitely be together. Uh, I, I don't want to communicate that, like, you know, uh, being an actor and like seeing something in a performance and enjoying a, a performance technically takes away at all from the enjoyment of a movie. And you guys know this, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people would probably assume that that would cheapen the the magic of a movie. But I think in that moment too. Just Renee's ability to, uh, you know, kind of uh, whisper speak and and uh, oh and gosh. not fill breath and just sort of let it let it be. Yeah, it just it just so gripping to watch her. Yeah, uh, talk and talk and talk. She she always keeps you interested with her tone. I I, I it's hard to believe that that was plan but that she just that she just has those instincts are incredible i mean oh. i know she kind of had her yeah 
her heyday and and it'd be really fun to see her do do more because she's so dynamic even Ooh. just in her voice just her voice even yeah I, I agree her voice is so unique and I'm always so shocked to learn that it's like that she it's her like native accent is like just Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of makes sense. Uh, but like, yeah. And, and I, uh, but I so agree with you, Tyler. I read that it took, um, this, this only took six takes, which I feel like that's wow. pretty, that, yeah. And it's that's a single incredible. shot. Right. It is no edit. Wow. They never, they never cut away. It's just her talking right? for like seven yeah. minutes almost. Right. Like that's crazy. And then also Tyler, I'm so happy for you because Ren- I think Renee is having a resurgence. I think it's, I think it's all happening. She yeah. like appeared in this like weird Netflix show drama like two years ago, and then she had Judy, and then um, I feel like it's a happening. You know, I feel like she's like doing the Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon yeah. situation where they're like, well, actually, we're still here. <laughs> actually, we're well, still here, and for... we're producers now. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, you well, McGregor gets Fargo. Well, I'm making a show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for thinking of me when it comes to Renee Zellweger's uh, return. I feel very connected to it. Uh, not entirely unresponsible for it. So. Oh my gosh. No. Um, okay, well, but before we move on to our final, or sorry, to our, our next segment where we kind of bought the tropes, does anyone have any final thoughts on the film? I All I want to say is I just want to give David Hyde Pierce some more compliments because I love him. I love... He does this little thing. This is just this is just a moment where I just talk about how much I love him. He does this little thing <laughs> where he does these little gasps and he does them all throughout the movie where he goes <gasps> <gasps> And it's so funny and anyone else who would do it would seem crazy but he's <laughs> always I always buy it and he does this thing I texted I was texting Tyler about this earlier where <laughs> he like points and he flails his finger and he's like listen and he like points forward <laughs> and then he points up to the sky and then he points back at you and then he like flips his body in the air and it's just like oh he's just always just like flailing around and i (laughs) i love it oh yeah i just i think he is an incredible his inflections are incredible and his physical um humor is incredible uh but that's my final thought uh tyler mia do you guys have any final thoughts I did have one, Allie, but then I was paying such attention <laughs> for David Hyde Pierce that it seems to it seems to have gone. Um, definitely, uh, always a great idea to put uh, related bookend uh, big band songs at the uh, start and end of a movie. Uh, we've got oh, down yeah. with down with love in the beginning. Uh, here's to love at the end <laughs> with just a slight. I'm going to sound very unmusical here uh, and make people cringe who are musical, but just sort of, it seemed like a slightly more celebratory key or maybe just a, just a shift (laughs) upwards, uh, but with the, but with the same DNA. So it really connected the ends of the movie. What happened to the narrator? Um, I don't know, but uh, we never know. And here's the big question. Here's the question Mm. that, uh, you know, uh, Paul and Elbert are those the guys that wrote the movie. Uh, we'll have to check. It's it's Eve, it's, uh, it's Eve Alhert and Dennis Drake. So man and woman. Right. So uh, uh, Peter and Elbert, um, who wrote the movie. <laughs> How did Gwendolyn 
<laughs> the stewardess, soon to become pilot in training, get back into the apartment to change the whole course of the story by convincing Barbara that it was better that she remain the icon uh, and woman of change for all of womankind, or maybe just in New York City. No, in all of womankind, we all got of- all the way from China to Russia. Oh, they yeah. all had her book. Remember the bread? The, the book bread. was the in book. the bread. <laughs> the huge, long loaf. The book but loaf. She came in, Allie and Mia. Yes. To scold Catcher about leaving the key on the door top. When he had a partner in there, she put the key on the nightstand within the apartment, exited the apartment, and then burst back in without a key. (gasps) How did she get back in? It must have just been fate because it was such a crucial moment. And by fate, I mean, I'm just, I I don't know if they, I would love an explanation, Peter Mm. and Albert. Peter is the woman's name. Albert is the... (laughs) I think she must have like either left the door open a crack or a magician locksmith. She's also a magician and locksmith in her spare time. Um, And it's just really good at opening doors. Or maybe she had a a, a lock opening kit that we didn't see. From pilot Um, school. From pilot school. You know, that really, really important part in pilot school where they teach you how to open locks, Um, (laughs) pick locks and stuff. Mia, do you have any final points? I do. I do. Yeah. My only final point is that um, the end of the movie is crazy when a helicopter (laughs) shows up to take them to Las Vegas and they decide to travel to Las Vegas hanging on to a rope ladder. <laughs> I love that. Oh part my gosh. So She's in high heels. Silly. It stresses me out. <laughs> it stresses me out. Obviously on sort of- front of a green screen, like you're just hoping that as the camera is panning down and they're leaving up from frame uh that she's gonna have a good sturdy grippy boot on for that trip it's just a little kitten heel and you go that is not close to new york uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's gonna be cold <laughs> also much more dangerous to ever during that entire trip try to climb that ladder <laughs> so they do just have to stay there or land uh yeah oh my well, goodness well Lo- love well, makes you crazy love yeah. makes you crazy you guys Oh, well, with all that being said, we like to wrap up our movie discussions by counting up all the familiar rom-com tropes that we spotted. Um, I'll start us off. Um, I saw uh, that New York City is the most uh, magical city in the world. Obviously, we have a narrator to inform us of that. Uh, my best friends are obsessed with our love lives. David Hyde Pierce is like pretty into Ewan McGregor's love life um, and Vicky to Nate Zellweger for sure. Um, we've got narration. We've got the beginning uh, 1960s wah, 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 narrator. Classic. Um, our leads both work in print media, a classic of the <laughs> rom-com genre. Um, tropes that we do not like uh, but persist are that the couples are both um, straight and white. And um, I will say that uh, Renee Zellweger, for like having a book that has like one copy in the store at first, has like a very big ass apartment. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, too large. Doesn't make sense. But uh, a beautiful apartment. I want that lounge chair. I want that deck. Um, but that's what I got. I didn't, I didn't get very many. Allie, Allie, what did you see? I have um, the best friends get together too. Oh, um, yeah. That's good. 
Vicky and David Hyde Pierce get together. I have enemies to lovers. They mm. start off as enemies. Um, uh, Barbara and Ketch, and then they turn into lovers. I have a secret article that is being written. <gasps> yes. Um, I have uh, stalking is sexy. Uh, <laughs> Ian McGregor stalks um, and pretends to be someone else. Uh, and he's sexy the entire time while he does it. Um, we, we don't like that trope, but oh my God. But if you're Ian so McGregor in 2003. It's okay. (laughs) All bets are off, man. Um, I have a getting to know you montage that is truly incredible and insane (laughs) where they go to a bunch of plays. It's like basically uh, Renee Zellwanger and uh, uh, Iwan are in front of a green screen and they're just like plays that they see are just kind of like whizzing by them and they're like laughing and they're just like new york is just like surrounding them um and they're just like laughing and seeing plays and stand-up shows and it's very funny um i i have uh uh getting ready montage they that split screen Mm -hmm. or that like kind of cut back and forth between them getting ready for the date um i uh I have there's a there's like a two dimensional kind of like gay best friend in the movie where he's yeah. like works with the magazine and he's like um hints uh, that he's likes the boys in his department and Nate Zellweger's yeah. like ooh what um I uh I have a slap there's a big slap where mm-hmm. Vicky slaps David Hyde Pierce um they say the title of the movie several times it's sung by garland um it's uh kind of yeah like all all over the movie um and then i have um i have a uh i have like several dance routines like they like actually (laughs) sing a song at the end of the movie where like it's almost like they have a tv show and they have like a new book coming out um yes i have um this is like an addition to the secret article trope where the person like changes well it's interesting usually with the secret article trope the main character turns it into like a profession of their love and they even like get a little bit of meta and they vocalize that they're like oh are you going to turn this into a profession of your love but instead um catch turns it more into an expose on himself and his own bad behavior so yes i don't know um uh and then i wrote in my note the clothes um (laughs) (laughs) was there a let's think (laughs) there's no there's no trope to it i just wrote clothes they were Uh, so good they were so good they're just really really good um and i think that's it those are all the tropes i found um tyler did you see any rom-com tropes um that we missed um you'll you'll be the judge if this is a legitimate trope but just sort of accenting jokes or moments by putting food in your mouth <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a, it's funny because this is a as as we've been saying a pastiche to these these old films so yeah uh you know there's there's pro- i mean i i bet the whole thing is a is a trope and every second is is pretty tropey and maybe the food in the mouth at the end of a joke <laughs> 
is, um, is something from those older older films. Uh, that's not in all the new Netflix films. Uh, it's in um, it's in it's in like Princess Diaries where um, Mia Thermopolis is at a fancy dinner and someone asks <gasps> yeah. her a question and then she puts a big scoop of ice cream in her mouth and then she goes ooh ooh and they're like oh and then everyone does they it and it's start like doing very, it. Uh. Yeah. So you're right. There's I a, do think there's an element of this in rom-coms. And there's also <laughs> like a woman puts food in her mouth and then like makes a face like oh, I'm sad or like uh <laughs> or like talks Stop. with food in her mouth and it's like <laughs> he broke like I I'm thinking about yes. um in Seattle where she's eating a lot of ice cream with Rosie O'Donnell and they're watching yeah. um uh unfair to remember. Totally. Wait, shoot. And I just had one. Oh, Miss Miss Congeniality. Uh, Sorry, Miss Congeniality is all about food in the mouth jokes. So, yeah. yeah. Like, sorry, I just watched Miss Congeniality. It's constantly like her putting a sandwich in her mouth, getting taken away, putting a donut (laughs) in her mouth. Ben Bratt putting a donut in his mouth. Everyone's putting foods in their mouths. So you're 1000% correct, Tyler. Yeah. Good call. Um, Great call. Which which takes us to... Oh, go ahead. I'm so... No, I thought I couldn't. I can't remember. But it's so I'm just so glad that, I made that call. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I, call. I, I can't believe you said it because I just watched Miss Congeniality and I was like, "What is happening with the food in this movie?" And it's um, <laughs> a lot. A lot is what's happening. So that brings us <gasps> to eighteen tropes. Oh, wait, oh I'm just going to add go. nineteen really quickly. Nineteen really yes, quickly. Please. I'm so sorry, Mia. Um, no, please, uh, please, please. So he he teaches her something. Um, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor uh, catch catch Telescope. teaches. <laughs> Barbara telescope. He's like, I'm going to teach you about space because I'm an astronaut. <laughs> and like, there's like, and he like puts his arms around her while she like looks at, um, you know, space. Yes, more innuendos. Blah blah blah. Big instrument. Blah blah blah. Um, okay, well that takes us to 19. Not, Not bad. Too shabby. Not too shabby. Is it the best? Do we? Are we? I. Your tone does not indicate that we. Well, that's more in the middle, and it's not even that. It's in the middle, and the trope count really, I feel like, has less to do with the number and then and more in how they're used. Like, typically, (laughs) early on, we were like, "Oh, potentially more tropes, the worse," almost. But then, like, we just did ten things I hate about you that had like thirty-two tropes, and those um, were used very well, except for the obviously there's tropes that are like objectively horrible. but um, yeah, so I say it's like more dependent on. I mean, it's interesting to count them up to see like if it how well it fits in the genre, how many tropes it's incorporating, um, and then I think it's interesting the higher the number goes to see how well they use them, because oftentimes it can feel really rote. But then when it's done well and they have a ton of tropes, you're like, this is amazing. Well, I'm consoled. Mm-hmm. By our 19. <laughs> yeah, and 19's like high middle, so not bad, not not too shabby, yeah, not bad. Um, well, now with that little bit done, it is time to rate this rom-com. We here at PSA Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five rom-coms. And as of now, our top five are The Best Man, When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Hitch, and 10 Things I Hate About You. So now, if we so choose today, we can put Down With Love on that list. But we all have to, unan- <laughs> but we all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what do we think? Does Down With Love deserve a spot on the top five list? And if so, who should it knock off? Um, Tyler, well, do, that, do you have a hot take? 
it's a pre- it's a pretty hot take, which is just to say that I, every PS I love rom coms guest hopes that their rom com will break into the list. And uh, it's interesting. I know that I know that there's a little bit of a rubric uh, for how to assess the rom com, um, and probably the the most the most strength and heft of the three. Uh, descriptors uh or assisting adjectives uh would just be that it's it's like a it's a consummation it's sort of like it is in the encyclopedia on like mm-hmm. the those old those old ones it just carries a lot of uh historicity and style and tact maybe with a little bit of uh modern day uh uh commentary uh, and and feeling and zeitgeist so it 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 has like maybe historical and social uh heft and style certainly style but but uh but yeah i if it's i i don't know it seems it seems maybe a bit too clean uh and that's not exactly what i wanted to say but but yeah maybe maybe it's too crisp to be in the top 5 yeah uh, are you okay. saying that are you saying that down with love is too good of a movie to be in the top 5 <laughs> I said crisp, um, <laughs> like how a chip is crispy. <laughs> Got a crunch to it, a little salty. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, it it has it has so much um, so much behind it yeah. uh, potentially to to force it in. I'm very interested. You guys just have been so intimate with rom coms this past mm. year. Well, we you have. you must have pretty clear an instinct on if it's ma- the material for top five enclave blue ribbon all the way around. <laughs> I was, I was listening, re-listening to one of our episodes because um, I'm a narcissist and uh, <laughs> there <laughs> Mia brought up this point where she's like, we've watched a rom-com every week for more than a year. <laughs> um, and I laughed out loud um, because it's true. And it's I was also true. like, my God, Ali, you've watched so many <laughs> movies. Um, um, and it's always a delight. And it hasn't seemed like that many. No, um, that's, so, that's the most insane part. Is yeah. It doesn't feel like that many. And we haven't even begun to like tap out of reason like we haven't even scratched, uh, the, scratched surface. the surface i know people's just, favorite rom-coms like we it's just crazy. watched 10 things i hate about you last week and there's still so many we still haven't watched crazy rich asians yet which oh, is like my god which i forget because i did watch it this week so I it's know. hard to remember <laughs> i know it's so it's crazy um but th- that being said yeah we've watched a lot of rom-coms um i think what's cool about down with love and what's special about it is also what I think its downfall is, which mm. is that it is a rom-com that, you know, is a pastiche for other rom-coms. It's not, it's saying, it does have a twist on like the old genre, uh, like of, of those like no sex comedies where it's like, the twist is like that, you know, the woman has actually, this is all part of her plan. Her plan was to, you know, um, get exposed. And um, then she actually falls in love. She like falls out of love with him. And so like, there's a cool twist, but it isn't, um, it's just kind of commenting on those other genres. And it's not really saying, it's saying more about rom-coms than it is saying about love. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, 
me and I have had long discussions about whether we want more romance in a rom-com or more calm in a rom-com. And I feel like this rom-com is very cerebral and it's very smart and Mm -hmm. it's very funny and very stylized, but it's not, I think the rom the romance of the movie kind of comes at the expense of all of that. And we kind of saw a similar thing in, um, uh, warm bodies where it's like, they were so Mm. busy trying to kind of like, point out multiple genres yeah yeah kind of point out like rom-coms tropes and horror tropes that they lost the kind of romance of the movie and i i think that the that this movie is just lacking a little bit of that romance that i would keep keep me from putting it on the list even though even though god ewan mcgregor's so hot in it so hot he's so hot oh god that says, I think that point that you've made uh, sort of is right right there with the point you're making now, which is that they they also too, like, because of the plot, because of all the convoluted um, subtext uh, and motivation, it's hard to like root for them as a, as a couple. Yeah. Um, but them both on their own, I don't know if you feel this way about Renee too, but she is also like, she gives a very, um, a, a, like attractive performance. Yes. Like it's very easy to be drawn in by her, mm-hmm. uh, maybe for the same and different reasons than Ewan's performance. Um, but yeah, like they're like these two marvelous planets on their own, but how can planets you know, be in love, you know, yeah, uh, right. the, yeah. they just crash into each other. But, yeah. No. And, and I, I agree completely Look, looking back on this too. And especially now thinking to that, in addition to it being like a rom-com and a pastiche that like, it's, it's also very focused on um, the time period and the aesthetics and like jokes about that. So I think, I think it's, it's, uh, it makes sense that in its effort to cover and hit so many notes that it's lost one of the core fundamental things that really moves us about rom-coms, which is the romantic element. And right. We've been, and um, like we have been looking, we're looking for a list that's like curated that represents the genre as a whole. And we're also looking for movies that add innovate that they either add to innovate or define the genre. And this film feels like more of a summation of a period of time in the genre, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like, nice and lovely and and uh, and and a lot of fun but i would say for that reason doesn't need to be on the top five i'm i'm seeing like paula and elbert in your (laughs) office as you say (laughs) it's less of a defining movie and more of a summation (laughs) and then being like thank you uh thank you um that's very apt Uh, and then they walk out of the office and they go and they sit in their car and then they're silent for five minutes and they go they didn't get it they didn't get it let's move back to our hometown let's give up on our dreams for writing i think it was a very uh cutting but true uh (laughs) remark there mia Uh, summation summation no 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 no, i'm I'm with you i do that where i just i just try i just like like i'm saying things that like i think are kind of normal and then they turn out to be just like cruel (laughs) no no no, no. it's an honest critique and i agree with it (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Albert and Paula just have to, you know, go back to yeah. the workshop. Yeah. Go back to the shed. <laughs> take it, Polly take and it Alan. on the chin. <laughs> Polly and Alan, I'm so sorry. That's the way the cookie crumbles this week. <laughs> also, just to remind the listeners, the writers' names are actually even Dennis. Who? <laughs> 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 um, and, uh, you know, what a, what a silly, silly fun way to end uh our 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 rating of this rom-com but now now that we realize that down with love isn't going to make it on the top five i think it's time to get grounded back to reality for Mm, a little bit of reality check now in this segment we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world and a plot device that we see in a lot of rom-coms is kind of like a spontaneous dance routine or a spontaneous musical number uh we see this kind of in this movie a lot uh, particularly at the end where they like the two leads sing a couple about the two uh leads sing about um the fact that they're now in love and that they have a book and it's like this whole musical dance routine. We also see it in uh, 500 days of summer when Joseph Gordon Levitt um, Mm. has that wonderful, um, you know, song to you make my dreams come true. And there's like cartoon birds and everybody sings along. Um, And I'm not going to ask if this has happened to us in real life because (laughs) you know, the chances are slim, but here's the question I will ask is, if you guys could have any moment in your life turn into a spontaneous dance routine, a song and dance routine, like instant musical number, mm. when and where would you choose? Would you choose a mundane moment or would you choose a very exciting moment? Mm, that's a great question. I think, Tyler, do you have one? Um. I have it's, one, but it's, it's yeah, please, man. everyone's going to be really upset with me. Hello, you weren't here for, I, yeah, you were here for last week's episode. And, uh, but if any of you li- were here and listened to last week's episode, um, as you know, I had a really great time at Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> so if I could turn a moment into a musical dance routine, I think it probably would have been the five hours that I spent in the waiting room at Kaiser Permanente having a great time bonding with the other people who were sick. And um, I think I think it would just be like both fun and funny and irreverent, which I think is important to me, right? In order to like do a twist on the genre, it's like I would choose a more mundane moment um, to um, both honor and disrespect the genre in a way that um, is funny. I love that. And I feel yeah. like there's a lot of fun props to be had. I see like... <laughs> You know, RNs like, you know, doing a fun little, uh, you know, step touch uh, kind of uh, choreographed, you know, routine. I see people who are in wheelchairs all of a sudden being able to stand at your, you know, at at your voice and your song. Exactly. People are becoming healed left and right. (laughs) Yeah. There's like literal people just like waiting with stool samples at the lab area. And yeah, Yeah. just lots of of fun times to be had um, in the Kaiser Permanent building so people oh, opening what- up their <laughs> jars of pee and throwing them into the air being like what a cured um yeah <laughs> that's what i would do what about you guys um i think one of my favorite musical numbers in um a musical movie that i didn't really enjoy but i love this musical number is um 
I think the song's called Agony in, in the movie Into the Woods, where there's these oh, two princes yeah. mm-hmm. who are splashing oh, like so in funny. a waterfall. And so I would definitely want a similar kind of tone. And I think like if I were to have a musical number, it would be me at the Americana and I would be singing about <laughs> like like a really bad heartbreak that I just had. And I would be like, like knocking down displays and like, um, like children that had ice cream, I would like slap it out of their hands. And then I would like get in the fountain and I would just splash everybody. And then I would have people jump in the fountain with me and we would do kind of like a splash angry dance where, um, to accent our, our anger and our angst in the song, we would like, you know, be splashing around. Um, so yeah, that would be my dance number. Um, wow. angst at the Americana. That's so perfect for you, Allie. Like just to think of Allie, like at the Americana, which I know she loves. And then just like expressing like pure emotion, yeah. <laughs> slapping ice cream out of children's hands. I really see that for you. <laughs> the, the angry dances. Yeah. In the fountain. That sounds great. I mean, so I guess what's happening too is that there are people you are offending who are leaving the Americana. And then there are people who are like, that girl's treating people poorly. I like that. And then they and they, they sort of join you uh, for a moment of anarchy and sort of uh, yes. maybe and maybe at the end, like every every adult is in the fountain, uh, having just hit the final pose, and all the children are crying, like lying down on the ground uh, as if they've been smote. Yeah, um, yeah. Mourning over their fallen ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I want it. Uh, but yeah, that that would be mine. Uh, Tyler, what about you? What would yours be? I think I'm. It sort of extends from something that already is maybe a little bit musical, but I, I just the it's it's not anything specific exactly. Um, but sometimes you find yourself in just a not in pandemic times, but in kind of in the corner of a massive restaurant. Um, and not even like a posh restaurant, but just sort of a, just a big place where a lot of people are and they're packed in and the lights are kind of low. Uh, and I just kind of want a fiddler on the roof (laughs) moment where someone (laughs) kind of starts a little song and then people are kind of banging on the tables, like let's keep the rhythm. And then some person (laughs) like makes the big move and jumps on the table and grabs me. And now we're, you know, clogging on the table. It's, it's not, it's not perfect dance. It's nothing that you would see on, uh, Dancing with the stars, Broadway, except in the experimental spaces, we're dancing with the stars. But, but yeah, we just sort of have a full, athletic, sweaty sort of wedding. It's sort of like the wedding dance energy. Mm, you know, yes. people are just uh, you know whipping about, and we're bumping into each other, and uh, and it's winter outside, but we're <laughs> inside, and it's cold outside, but it's warm inside, and yeah, something wow. like that. Does that sound good? I yeah. love that. I love that. That sounds so amazing. I can't wait to be inside with that many people again. <laughs> that's sort of like old Russian style, but it's like Wrecking Ball that's playing. And yes! um, like oh, that. I love that. <laughs> uh, oh. A bunch of angry romance songs, and we're a bunch of um, sort of nomadic um, poor uh, Jewish people from uh, a little Russian town yeah <laughs> wow like that. 
Wow. I love that. And it sounds like based on how quickly we all were able to come up with our ideal situation, that reality does check out in that given the chance we would (laughs) do a spontaneous dance routine um, of our lives. So yeah, I would say reality checks out here. Oh man, I I would watch all of those. Um, and buy the CD for all of those. <laughs> um, um, but sadly, you guys, we are at the end of our podcast. No, I know, but I, but Ali, I won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we are going to watch all of the no sex rom-coms right now um, and write our own um, our own pastiche also you guys I didn't know what the word pastiche was until uh, uh, preparing for this episode and now I know what it is um, and we've used it so too. many times well that is the podcast thank you so much for joining us today Tyler do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners Let's see. Um, on on social media, uh, I th- I think Tyler McLean will <laughs> access the small amount of social media I have. I just you know Instagram. There's some drawings there. They're great you, um, listeners, check out Tyler's Insta because he has some incredible drawings that he's been putting up on a regular basis, and they're so beautiful. That's lovely. Uh, I have a, I have, I do have a website, uh, com. It's a pretty rough, uh, sort of por- portfolio of work, but Allie is in, or is on that website <laughs> in the form of Janie oh Jelly and, <laughs> and stuff that we've done together. Um, uh, and then, uh, uh, and also I'm on, uh, P.S. I love uh, rom-coms. So I'll, pl- I'll plug <laughs> the podcast on the podcast. Has that ever been done before? No, uh, first. <laughs> we, thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess uh, it'd be amazing. You guys should write a little, make a little pamphlet of all the love advice you've gotten across the episodes. You've probably gotten <gasps> quite a tome at this point with uh, some we, really we've gotten piercing some stuff. Really good some stuff. Really that good, I, really good ones. That I think about like on a regular basis. I'm oh yeah. Ali and implement. I will like advise each other with other people's advice sometimes. Advice. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, remember what so-and-so said. And then we will be like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. Really good. <laughs> That's true. That's good advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess, I guess if I were to say anything, I guess it is sort of a, just a little two part. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert, um, but uh, I, I, I do, I would advocate and, and, you know, you may be listening to this podcast and, and hear me uh, speaking and, and maybe, uh, you know, speaking in a, in a certain way uh, and, and think that maybe there's a little, a little, uh, maybe, uh, well, let's say p- puffing up of myself or a little bit of insecurity and sort of hiding, uh, a little bit, uh, there's a, there's a, a nervousness, uh, that, that then generates more adjectives and more sentences and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and I guess just the acknowledgement that, uh, that, you know, that you're, you're this cool person who's on the dating scene uh and anytime you don't feel cool you have to be more cool uh is is just uh, a path uh to a place you don't want to be in which is a disconnect between your your feelings and your expression um Mm. and then uh yeah i mean 
and uh, you don't uh, don't have to worry too much about it. I think most people are feel uh, odd and uh, out of place and not cool. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, just give each other a, a break and try to help help both people get past the trying to be cool part. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love giving oh. each other permission to not be cool. And that's I love okay. that. Yes, oh. Tyler, more of that. More, more of that. More of that. Uh, well, Tyler, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Um, uh, thank you all for listening to the pod. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Yes. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it because it's real and it has a name. One million musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.